With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. The free agency madness continues. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz, joined once again by the illustrious Curtis Patrick, who is back for this week, fresh off finalizing volume two of our Dynasty Rookie Guide. A lot of moves have happened in the NFL since we last spoke, Curtis, and big moves. Up there in your neck of the woods, what's going on, sir? Oh man, oh man, yeah. It. I still probably have a little bit of mixed feelings. I, I know you're talking about the Deshaun Watson move. We'll get. We'll get to that. I mean, that's not even like. It's not even free agency. You know, it's it's a trade happening during the free agency period. But man, it still hasn't really sunk in. And now all of a sudden, all the players that the Browns hadn't resigned. It's looking pretty good to stay in Cleveland, Jarvis Landry and Jadavion Clowney. So it's going to end up being uh, pretty interesting. But, you know, uh, thinking about the shows last week, I'm actually going to just get us right into our FFPC stat attack tonight because you were talking about Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders, man. And it, it just made me think about that connection that he and Derek Carr had. Uh, you know, back at Fresno State all those years ago. So our FFPC stat attack for tonight's episode in two seasons together at Fresno State, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. In season one, Adams had 1,312 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. That's back in uh, 2012. That's a, you know, college football season. You're talking 12 games. The second year, 17, 1,719 yards and 24 touchdowns. They just totally rewrote the record book for the Mountain West. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty exciting reunion. Uh, Sean Siegel and I and our, our co-managed uh, FFPC Dynasty Pros versus Joe's League, a $250 uh, Dynasty League, we made a, a big move and acquired uh, Devontae Adams actually hours before that trade. And, and we, we quickly got back together and realized that uh, our evaluation really has hasn't changed. And if, if anything, at least we know he'll be 
with Carr for the next several seasons. We don't have to play that, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Willie Woney game uh, each right. each spring. Of course, now we have the additional information that Rodgers is staying put too. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's our FFPC stat attack. And uh, while we're at it, we'll just quickly mention still a few more uh, really great FFPC dynasty squads uh, for sale, including some of our Rotoviz Triflex Superflex leagues. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later this week. But I'm, I'm looking at this team on here that if I wasn't so saturated, I would definitely buy $77 team. Um, just go to myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. You can check out all the teams that are available, Dave. All right, Curtis, you had to know that it was coming. That is our fantasy headlines drop. Mm. And mm. we have some absolutely huge, huge headlines. Some of these I was able to, uh, kind of exploit, if you will, well on the clock in a couple of drafts on underdog, which I was pretty happy about. Um, Oh, wow. Yes. Well, hey, man, I mean, this is why this time of year, it's super fun playing best ball. You know, maybe you're on the clock. You take a little bit of time. You see what's shaking out. We're going to get to the summer. Mm -hmm. You're going to get in your 500, however many drafts you're looking to do. Um, And that's what it's about right now. But let's just let's just pop to Deshaun Watson, right? He is going to be a Cleveland Brown. Um, talks of Jarvis Landry staying in town, as you mentioned. Talks of potentially Will Fuller maybe looking for a home oh boy. in Cleveland. We didn't even get... I don't think we even got to talk about your take of Amari landing in Cleveland. I talked about that some. I'm going to let you have the floor here for some reaction to this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, actually, uh, when that was all going down, we were chatting rookies up uh, with Danny Kelly, I think. So we didn't okay, get yeah. to Amari uh, on those shows. But yeah, man, the, the Browns has, have been totally remade since the last time we spoke. And, you know, I think uh, Amari on his own as essentially what felt like a swap of Landry to Amari. Okay. I mean, maybe the team's worried about the hip and Landry, you know, wasn't going to be uh, everything that he was, you know, in, in his true prime, it didn't really feel like much of an upgrade with Baker at quarterback. I mean, it's all about the quarterback, Dave. And so, um, just the, the emotional yoga that I was on last week, like it, and then I'm not just saying this, it just feel my cousin was at my place this weekend and he's a big Browns fan as well. Just moved to Cleveland. And it's like, so can we celebrate or not? Like, it just, you know, the whole Watson thing just feels, you know, icky. Uh, at some point, you know, you just focus on what it means for a football. And from a football perspective, yeah, it's great to have Deshaun Watson as a quarterback of your team. I mean, he, he's undeniably great. You know, he can move the pocket. He can make the aggressive throws. He's got the big arm. He's propped up multiple uh, receivers of different types. Uh, you know, you got the DeAndre Hopkins contested catch technician sideline back shoulder uh, rapport and chemistry type deal. And then you got the, you know, 40 yard bombs to Will Fuller over and over again. You know, he's, he's made it happen with multiple types of receivers, you even have, uh, you know, different uh, running backs see success because of the threat of Watson running there. So it's very exciting as a Cleveland Browns fan to think about that. Um, but at first, we didn't think Deshaun was coming. The Cleveland Browns were the first team ruled out of the sweepstakes. <laughs> his, agent, his agent has informed the Browns that 
he he will not waive their no tra- uh, the no trade clause. And so then it's like, all right, so we've got Amari and we've got an angry Baker who's sulking. Is he going to come back? How is the team even going to be able to get anything? Like, it seems weird to even think he could get, you know, what the Colts got for Carson Wentz at this point when he's basically damaged goods. And then it all changes. And, and, and the team gives Deshaun Watson 230 million fully. <laughs> I can't even say fully guaranteed, man. $230 or $230 million fully guaranteed. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And then they follow that up, converting three quarters of Amari's 2022 salary into a sign on bonus. All of a sudden, now they have Watson and still plenty of cash to spend. So, yeah, instead of having, you know, maybe healthy Baker throwing to Amari Cooper, you have Deshaun Watson throwing maybe to Amari Cooper, Jarvis Landry, and either a uh, young version of Will Fuller, Anthony Schwartz, or actual version of Will Fuller if they sign him. So this is, you know, they get rid of Hooper. So now Njoku presumably is actually going to be used. I mean, it is wheels up all of a sudden all over again on the Cleveland Browns offense, kind of like what we thought going into Baker year two. All of that enthusiasm is back. You know, that's when the team had signed OBJ and Landry. It was the first year they were going to be teamed up. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot there to unpack. I'm not sure where the ADPs will ultimately settle. You know, from a redraft perspective, best ball perspective on underdog and other platforms, you know, Deshaun will probably settle in as a late QB1, but you still don't know how many games he's going to miss, if any. I, it's He's probably going to be overpriced in redraft for me. But you you will not be able to touch him in Dynasty. I mean, the window's gone. Like the the window to buy him, you know, was during last season. Um, yep. Amari has, I think, totally recovered his Dynasty value as a result of this uh, and being tied to Watson for five years. Uh, I mean, the rest of Amari's usable career is going to be with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. That's pretty exciting, and and even for Landry. You know, Landry was kind of like on, on yeah, dynasty man. value life support, yeah, man. Was. You know, I've been, I've been gobbling up shares in the 12th, 13th round of best ball, but it's like, man, is he going to do it? I mean, all of a sudden he's looking like, you know, he'll just be Adam Thielen out there, you know, throwing up stats at 31, 32 as the, the wide receiver two on the team. It's really exciting, man. I, I know there was a lot there. Any, anything else you have to add about the Browns? Well, I mean, I just um, think that, I agree with everything you hit upon. I mean, this is absolutely huge for the value of both Amari and Jarvis Landry, especially because now it's looking like they get to benefit from each other. So it's just a really great confluence of events for them. Um, Like you said, we're going to have to see where the ADP settles because I really don't know what the average dynasty Mm. manager might think of this and how that's going to impact things, especially on two players that I think some people may have soured on. And then you have the questions kind of compounding that with Deshaun. Um, But yeah, I think this is absolutely huge, huge, huge for them. And I think it makes them attractive players to me at the ADPs where I expect them to go, because I think also people are going to look at the age and that's going to give you a little bit more of a discount as well. Although I suppose Amari's not quite as old, but he feels like he's been in the league for a long time. Um, yeah, he, he does, but he just keeps putting up the, he just keeps putting up the numbers, but that, that Dallas Cowboys offense had so many names there yep. that it's just kind of like, didn't wow. Um, yes. you know, I, I think because of the lack of clarity around Deshaun's availability 
too. It could maybe hold those receiver ADPs down a little bit. Uh, an underrated move. The team also moved Case Keenum for a seventh round pick to Buffalo. And Jacoby Brissett will now be the the backup quarterback. So he would be starting, you know, the first quarter to first half of the season, potentially, if if Watson is suspended. Uh, he's been able to prop up maybe, you know, one player. I don't know if he could. I think the team would really lean into the run until, you know, Deshaun Watson comes back, presumably, right? They're not going to let Jacoby Brissett go out there and sling it 35 <laughs> times a game. Uh, right. I just don't see that. So, you know, I, Cooper and Landry and even Njoku could be players that really get hot in the back half of the season. Um, but because of, because of the lack of certainty around the quarterback situation, perhaps their ADPs remain depressed. Because if, if we knew Deshaun was going to play 17 games, I mean, Cooper is back there as a friend wide receiver one, I think, like immediately. Uh, but it's just not going to happen at this point. Right. So a lot of interesting things there. Don't want to spend the whole show up in Cleveland. Let's talk. Oh, about- come on. <laughs> what I have to do. <laughs> Let's talk about what may have been equally exciting to. Well, no, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Unless you owned this player, perhaps you didn't find this as exciting. But Juju Smith-Schuster, one of my favorites to Kansas City. Yeah, man. Um, A player, you talk about recouping some dynasty value. I mean, this is a player that has absolutely done it. Now, I know one of the things that people will want to talk about perhaps is what we've seen from Juju since the departure of Antonio Brown. So I went into Mm -hmm. the... World famous splits app and pulled those we got a tool up. for that. We yes. got a tool exactly for that, Dave. Exactly. So Juju in the split. Mm. When I read this off, Antonio Brown played out of split. He did not play with Juju. There are some differences here, right? PPR of sixteen point two six with Antonio, twelve point four nine without him. Receptions were at five point seven three with four point eight three without. Touchdowns held flat. Targets went from 8.38 down to 7.08. And receiving yards plummeted, if you will, from nearly 79 Mm. down to 49. Now, I don't think that you can say, though, this is all related to Brown being gone. We did see in the stretch since Brown has been gone, a number of games missed by Ben Roethlisberger. Um, we've also seen Ben Roethlisberger's play decline, something we talked about a lot last year. So if we look at the splits for games where Roethlisberger played versus games where Roethlisberger didn't play, we are going to see a pretty dramatic split there as well. So 50 were in the split, 12 out of the split PPR for Juju with Ben 14.7 without 11.3 receptions, 5.54 with 3.83 without touchdowns holding flat at 0.42 per game targets go down from 7.9 to 6.17 receiving yards 64 down to 49 so that's a long-winded way of me saying that maybe juju smith schuster isn't as good as i would have liked for him to be when he first took over complete control of that pittsburgh steelers offense but i think that there are a number of factors playing into his situation that limited his ability to sustain that production. 
of course, it is going to be hard when one goes into an offense where you have your star wide receiver absorbing 27% of the target share last season, and then Travis Kelsey absorbing 23%. The next highest player was Nicole Hardman at 12%, followed by guys like Darrell Williams and Brian Byron Pringle at 9%, Curtis. So when I'm looking through those numbers, I know that it's going to be hard for Juju to eat into that share that you have for Hill and Kelsey. And I know he could improve upon maybe what Hardman has. Maybe he could get to 15 or 16. Let's let's just go with one of those numbers, 15, 16% target share um, as a proxy for Hardman last year. That would have put him you know, around like 72 targets. He had 72 targets in 16 games, right? We'd want to see more volume for a guy like Juju. Let's say he only did get 15 or 16% of the target share. How are you feeling about Juju? I can tell you exactly how I feel about Juju because uh, I, I had Juju on a couple of my FFPC uh, $250 dynasty rosters. And it, the second this trade went down, I moved one share for Michael Carter straight up. Okay. Um, so here's how I kind of read this. He he gets a um obviously a significant boost from a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is better even than maybe not better for his receivers from a fantasy perspective, just better as a pure quarterback than Roethlisberger when Big Ben was still slinging it in Antonio Brown's heyday. But I mean, Roethlisberger was actually an awesome quarterback uh, in, in terms of I mean, he would throw it 50 times a game every week for yep. a couple years there. Um, so we get the upgrade from Holmes, but I think that the teammate level steps up even further and Juju was relegated to team wide receiver three status really for the last couple of seasons behind Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Um, and you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey run laps around those two guys as good as Deontay and, and Chase Claypool are, they're not Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So I, I do think what you've talked about in terms of, you know, maybe being able to consolidate some of the target share from guys like Hardman and Pringle. I, I would imagine, you know, signing a player like Juju. When I think about the other players on the KC offense, the other pass catchers beyond Hill and Kelsey, I don't think that they have a player that really will do the dirty work. Um, and that's why we, you know, Hardman has been kind of just a role guy. That's why he only gets half the snaps. They really rotate that second receiver and even that third and fourth receiver based on formation, based on, you know, the types of routes that they're asking someone to run. I mean, we saw Demarcus Robinson in that role a couple of years ago, never really um, got, you know, to a, a big time target share. And then, you know, Hardman and, and Pringle splitting in the last two years, Pringle's gone now, his 9% up for grabs. I could see Juju staying on the field a little bit more. He's a better run blocker. He will run those dig routes. He's a more physical guy. And I, I think, it's going to be about the touchdowns for him. I mean, if, if Mahomes can get back to that 40 to 50 touchdowns per year, Juju could have a surprise mid wide receiver two season on the strength of like 10 to 12 touchdown receptions, but he is not, I just don't think he's going to eat into what Hill and Kelsey have until we see a physical decline for one of those two players. So, um, you know, 15 to 15%, but with an inordinate share of red zone targets and green zone targets, I could see that. Um, but that's pretty dicey. I'm not going to feel good to start him in a week to week situation. It's a, it's a perfect situation for best ball or dynasty best ball. 
I, and I don't really know. I don't know how much of a value bounce he's really going to get, man. I think his value in the eye of his managers is higher. But the people that have been low on Juju have been low on him for several years. Like yeah. it's going to take a second. I think his value could skyrocket the first good game that he has. Mm. But right now, I'm not sure how much he's really going to recoup. Maybe around a startup value. Yeah. But I don't think he's like all of a sudden a top 24 receiver again or anything in Dynasty. So whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I agree with that. And I think everybody that's been listening to the show for a couple of years knows that I have always been a huge Juju guy ever since he kind of proved me wrong early on in his career. But as you said, when I actually go over those numbers and I think about the things that I know in the way that target shares work, mm. it is going to have to be extremely, an extremely efficient campaign for him over the, you know, over the course of the next year for him to creep back into that wide receiver two type yeah. of range in redraft alone, not even just in dynasty where you have younger players, they're going to be entering the league that we don't even know what they're capable of yet. So I would say for anybody out there that got really excited about this. Yes, it, it is exciting. It's nice to see, you know, the potential of what could happen there. Um, but I don't think that this is a move that really gets Juju anywhere near approximating what we might have wanted from him. If we go back, like, you know, what is it? Three or four years now. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's probably all the summer we need there. Right, Curtis? Yeah, I, I just I think like on the surface level, peep, to sum this up on the surface level, him landing with the Chiefs seems good. But it was probably not optimal from a mm. fantasy perspective. It would have been better for him to end up in New England yep. or New Orleans as a clear cut two or even, you know, one B situation um, it, for, for pure fantasy uh, purposes. But Juju may end up finishing his career as a player who's worth more in, in real NFL team roster value than fantasy values, you know, similar to Heinz Ward of days gone by. Yeah. Um, that that could be that could be his future. I want to go a little bit out of order. Okay, we've got two more players that you want to talk about. 
I want to go to New Orleans. I just mentioned them because I've been gobbling up Michael Thomas in underdog best ball. Uh, I, I, uh, I told you last month that I had entered something like 75 uh, <laughs> best ball drafts. And yep. those are many, most of them were slow drafts. And so many of those are coming to a close. I've got 46 completed drafts now. And my number one overall rostered player is Michael Thomas, 42%. I, I'm just so, I'm so <laughs> overweight. I just haven't been. So this was long before I had the information that I now have, yep. which is Jameis Winston is back for two years. And man, he looked efficient. He looked effective. And we didn't even get to see him with Michael Thomas last year. So I'm actually pretty excited about this, man. Jameis and, and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And it's going to be a little bit of a different look and feel. But I mean, Michael Thomas could be the 150 target guy again. 10 targets a game. And maybe more. Jameis... You know, uh, object of affection of James Winston's eye at the quarterback position. I, I mean, I really like it, man. And before I get your reaction, this is really exciting too. Uh, we are now underdog partners, Dave Vertovis. And what that means for our listeners, for uh, any, anybody with an earshot here, is you sign up with code Rotoviz and you double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So just throw in 100 bucks, do 10, $10 best ball drafts, and you get. 10 more $10 best ball drafts for free. That is pretty insane. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, absolutely great deal. So that's promo code ROTOVIZ with your first deposit at Underdog. Just type in Underdog Fantasy in your app store and download it. It's the easiest, best UI experience of, of any fantasy app that I have. It is just so great. Um, the notifications never fail me. I yep. can look at my ownership. Uh, I can, you know, look at my progress. I can pull up all my previous year going back several years results, uh, which is great. So I can go back and look at my uh, top 25 finish in best ball mania last year, anytime I want, <laughs> <laughs> which I've done a couple of times. Nice. I've done a couple of times, Dave, last few weeks. Uh, but anyway, yeah, check that out. Uh, you can get more information at underdogfantasy.com, but that is promo code Rotoviz to double your first deposit. All right. So Dave, what do you think about me being 42% on Michael Thomas? And is Jameis Winston there the best possible outcome uh, sans Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I actually think that um, with the team not getting Watson, I think if I'm Michael Thomas, I'm actually okay with this, given some of the other directions that perhaps this team could try to go. If you look at what Jameis was actually doing on the field from a team perspective last year, when he was under center, he was actually operating pretty efficiently, having that team function pretty well. Um, from a fantasy perspective for Winston, he actually opened the year with a solid QB one performance, put up 31 points, had another near 31 point performance before exiting the season um after week eight. Now, his rest of his performances weren't really that great, but I know your question isn't specifically about Jameis and his fantasy prospects. It's more about what this might mean for New yeah. Orleans, right? So I also took a look at this from the perspective of just the team. And the first split that I looked at were 2020 to 2021 when Jameis played versus games where he did not play. Um, now, there could be a couple things factoring into this, but you do see a pretty dramatic split in that their point differential 
uh, really swings. And it's it's odd how it happens because the points against go from 15.1 with Jameis in there to 22.65 with him out, um, which you might think, you know, in that first season that he had with them where there was a lot of interceptions and turnovers, you would expect yeah. a different outcome, right? Their points for actually go up from 24.8 to 26.8 with him in. Also, that could be the impact of the turnovers. Who knows? But the Pythagorean expectation for wins actually jumps from 0.56 without Jameis up to 0.71. Passing touchdowns go from 1.48 up to 2.3. Interestingly enough, the yards actually... That's a big one. We should pause there. That's that's a big one. That's, That's almost 40 touchdowns a season. And it's better than what we saw with Drew Brees uh, in, in his final season. So that, that is, that's the one that gets me excited. That's what I've been, you know, envisioning, uh, for Michael Thomas is, is, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've seen him at that level, but you know, 130, 130 receptions with that elusive 15 touchdown season. That's what I've got in mind here. A Cooper, a Cooper cup esque season for Michael Thomas. That's what I'm hoping for here, Dave. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but what I'm saying is I think there really are reasons to be encouraged. And also when we mm. think about the makeup of that team right now, and the other thing, Curtis, too, that we do see, and it shouldn't come as a surprise, we see that uptick in passing touchdowns. We see a downtick in rushing touchdowns from 1.4 per game to one per game when Jameis has been at the helm. Um, so what you're hoping for, if you're somebody that really wants Michael Thomas to have a reemergence is Jameis just peppering him with targets, but also things to hold the way that they have been in the sample that we have seen from Jameis, probably not too great of a thing. Um, if you're looking purely at the touchdowns for Alvin Kamara, but I think that he's a player we'll have to talk more about later because I think that we might be approaching one of those points where you naturally have to lower his stock a little bit in your mind to begin with. Yeah, and I, th- I think in terms of him being a potential early first round trap, um, without going too deep into this, his value is a little depressed because of you know his potential legal issues, uh, and so you mm-hmm. know o- otherwise he would be you know he would have been once again in the top six, top seven of of best ball drafts, redrafts, uh, and we're just finding him available you know even into the third round uh, on the regular. That now the nice thing for Kamara is that. He doesn't have to run it in. He can also, you know, he can also run it in after the catch. Mm. Uh, so, was, you know, so that it's a good if point. It were, it's a good point. Yeah, if it was, if it were Damian Harris, I'd be more worried. But yeah. at Alvin Kamara, I don't really care as long as Jameis will check it down to him once in a while. Yes, certainly. All right. So the the other player that I do think um, I want to mention, um, actually, Curtis. I'm going to let you take a moment here if you want. Uh, we Ooh. can talk about Matt Ryan later. Do you just want to mention how happy you are about Rashad Penny returning to Seattle? It's I, I so I'm happy because I do. Th- well, first off, congratulations to Rashad Penny because this time last year it was like he better ball out or he's not going to get another contract. Um, and then the whole season goes by. Yeah. That's right. That is right. And then the whole season goes by and he's not doing anything and he's hurt and he's not getting in. And then finally he does it. And even in the small sample size uh, over the past five games of the season, really um, it was enough for the Seahawks to give him one more year. He's probably a year to year contract guy at this point because he is all of a sudden 26 with a bad injury history, Mm -hmm. but for him to end up in Seattle, 
without Russell Wilson, I mean, I, I really think Pete Carroll is going full on 1994 with this offense Me next too. year, dude. Me too. I, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna try. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to um, in that division uh, do this and be able to stay in games, but. I think they want to run the ball 450 times with their backfield. And I mean, I think Penny's going to have all the work that he wants. He just has to stay healthy. So uh, it, it just stinks, you know, because without Russell Wilson, it, is, the, is the threat of the pass enough um, that the team will still score as many touchdowns uh, as, as they could have? Uh, that, that's, that's the worry. But in, in terms of, you know, Penny not having to compete in an unfamiliar situation or learn a new scheme, which over the years has been difficult for him. This was probably always going to be the best possible outcome. So uh, Penny, it will not surprise you, Dave, to learn that he is my third most rostered running back <laughs> in underdog. Luckily, because of all the uncertainty about what would happen with him, his value had been super depressed. I've been taking him in like the ninth, 10th round as a zero RB uh, or, you know, one elite RB. Um, Complement thirty seven percent roster percentage through my forty six uh, completed drafts. So yes, very very pumped about Penny. All right, I need just some quick thoughts on what the departure from Matt Ryan means for these offensive players in Atlanta, mainly Oof. Kyle Pitts. Well, the team uh, between when the show sheet was made and when we're recording, the team signed Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. going to be their bridge plan. He had uh, previous familiarity with Arthur Smith. They spent time together many moons ago in Tennessee, back when Smith was just a positional coach. Um, it, the Falcons are a lock to take a rookie quarterback. Uh, I don't know if it'll be Pickett or Willis at this point. I don't know which flavor they like better. Um, but man, it kind of seems like we're going to have to wait a, you know, another year or two for Pitts to fully break out. He already had a great rookie season, but he didn't have the touchdowns there. It's kind of hard to think that the team's yep. going to do much better in that category this season. Um, they also, they did resign uh, uh, Cordero Patterson. And for a couple hours, we had thought maybe he would be the, the QB one. He even sent out a humorous tweet <laughs> himself of him warming his arm up, <laughs> which was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. it, that is, that is good for him. You know, I think he should be able to maintain flex value the, the team showed that they know how to use him creatively. So once again, him not having to go to a new offense, convince a new coaching staff of what he could do and unseat other players, that's good. I mean, he's going to probably touch the ball more than anyone besides Kyle Pitts on that offense probably this year. Um, and the wide receiver position, Dave, was already a mess with Calvin Ridley uh, out, of the, out of the picture. They're going to have to maybe... I mean, I, I don't know. Does, does Julio's not going to want to go back there. It's not a championship team at this point they're gonna have to bring in like budget level free agents or go heavy in the draft it's gonna be a gross offense man they have a lot of work to do a lot of work to do i don't want to spend any more time um on them because there is one more move that happened uh that i want to get your take on and just let us know if you think this matters let's do this from a redraft perspective and that's robert okay. woods going to tennessee to play alongside A.J. Brown, Robert Woods has been pretty good over the last couple of years, had to exit early last year. Does this move get you uh, more excited in Robert Woods? Because perhaps now there's less competition for him. There's just A.J. Brown versus the roster that he could have been playing with um, in Los Angeles. Or, um, you know, is this is this a blow to his redraft stock? 
Well, it's this is tough, man, because he's coming off the ACL. If he had never been injured, he certainly would have still probably been a top 16 wide receiver in redraft ADP. And, and it also probably would have led to a different type of Cooper Cup season. Yeah, There's a yep. uh, whole butterfly effect thing there. Um, but, you know, even just going back to 2020, when Corey Davis was still in Tennessee, and, and mind you, that's Derrick Henry's 2,000-yard rushing season. A.J. Brown led the team with 106 targets. He put up a, a hyper-efficient 70-10-75 with 11 touchdowns. But Corey Davis, uh, this is the season that he checked in and, and got himself the payday. 92 targets, 65 receptions, 985, or 984 yards, and five touchdowns. I see no reason why Robert Woods couldn't outperform those numbers. I think even post-ACL, Robert Woods is going to be far better than Corey Davis uh, as the wide receiver two there. Tannehill is, is certainly a capable quarterback. We've seen over the course of his career throw 30-plus touchdowns multiple times. And I don't think that the team, you know, with the midfoot injury to to Derrick Henry, I mean, maybe the offseason will will make that look a lot different, but he he clearly did not look right in the playoffs when we saw him. Uh, and he was supposedly, you know, fully medically cleared uh, at that point, but, you know, playing in eight degrees with a metal plate in your foot or whatever, maybe that, that was getting to him. But I guess my point is every year for the last two, three years, it's like, well, if Derrick Henry can't be the guy and the Titans had to throw the ball a lot, what would it look like for those receivers? And that's always put us on a Tannehill with the Titans wide receiver stack in whatever format. So I like the spot for Robert Woods. At least he landed in a good offense. He landed in a, a division that's going to be you know, fairly easy to dominate, I would think. Yep. And um, it's a team that's going to be playing a lot of positive game scripts. Tannehill... Uh, it, it does better. It's kind of one of those things where when, when Henry does better, like the whole team does better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that will carry over to Robert Woods as well. So it's, it's a good outcome for him. And, and I'm happy that he landed in a, you know, that he landed in a competitive situation for as good of a player as he is. Yeah. You know, like if I sat here and tried to say that I know a hundred percent that this is a better or worse move for him than being in LA, I would be lying, but I definitely don't think it is a major downgrade. And I think we'll have to see how it plays out. To be honest, I probably don't have that much of a shift in where I'm ranking Robert Woods this year as a result of it. He's not one of those players that has a game that I think that's going to cause him to have big shifts. You know, if we went to a team like the Jets, who I love to pick on here, it would have been a different story. Um, But I think in this regard, you know, it's not one that's going to cause me to shift things too much. Yeah. Right. He hasn't been the most consistent player week to week uh, over the past couple of years, over a, a couple quarterbacks um, even. And then, you know, I think the other thing is because of that ACL injury, the, the discount was already there. So right. there's no idea of anybody that was doing, you know, mega Ram stacks, taking Woods in, in round four this year that's going to get totally burned. You know, there's the caution around, you know, veteran receivers changing teams. This will be his second uh, team change. And, you know, there's kind of that break-in period or whatever. There's going to be some absolute dud games for Robert Woods along the way next year. Uh, make no mistake about it. But I think his year-end stats will still end up looking pretty good. Uh, best ball is the perfect format to roster him. For sure. We are going to be back, Curtis, tomorrow. And we are going to be talking Dynasty. So everybody out there, make sure that you tune in. We're going to be rebuilding a roster. Curtis is going to run us through some key Dynasty topics. And we're ready to go for that. See you then. 
Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 